So what does the DJ business and the traditional business world have in common? As well as how can you use Twitch? And for a lot of you listening, you might not know what it is. Ask your kids in your business world. Thanks for listening to Bowties in Business. I'm joined by Amani Roberts today, who's also in a bow tie, which I love. Um, <laughs> so, and we're going to talk about a couple of things. He started as a DJ. He's been a music producer. Now he's an educator, podcaster, and a host of other things. We are going to talk about his backstory and his history and his journey as an entrepreneur. And then we're going to talk about how technology keeps changing and maybe where Twitch could play into a business strategy. So with that, as always, thanks for listening. I'm Tim Kubiak. Please subscribe if you haven't done so. Tell a friend, leave a review. Amani, thanks so much for being here. I'm really excited to have this conversation. Thank you very much for having me, Tim. I'm excited to chat with you. So when they first reached out for me to talk to you, I'm like, a DJ using <laughs> Twitch, right? But before that, talk about how you got started. Well, I got started in a DJ life, really my, you know, growing up, I went to college, I saw DJ Bismarck E at this club. He was amazing. He did a small little set within his set of just TV theme show songs. And I said, I want to do what he is doing. But at that time period of my life, I didn't feel that it was a legitimate career option. So I was incorrect. I continued to kind of follow the corporate life and do that. But I still, whatever city I would live in, I would visit clubs, watch the DJs, kind of learn that way. Finally got out here to Los Angeles, had the courage to pursue it. Um, and that's kind of how I first got interested. And then when I got here, I had the courage to pursue it. And here we are many, many years later, just trying to continue to thrive as a DJ. So I'm just going to turn this on its head a little bit because a lot of people don't realize DJing is a big business. It, it definitely is a big business. Yes, you can travel around the world. You can live very comfortably. Unfortunately, when things happen like a pandemic, it really can affect your income and your revenue severely. So you need to have some other options. But it, it's big business. That's a fact. Yeah, because I think most people, most people who aren't familiar with the music scene at all, you know, think the DJ is somebody who's in a nightclub, they don't realize that they're more key acts in and of themselves, that people yeah. pay big money to be in the clubs the nights they're spinning. Yeah, yeah, they pay big money in the clubs. Nights, actually, you know, corporate events, they'll pay big money for the right DJ and emceeing, which is what we do also. So there are lots of aspects to being a DJ and it can be very financially beneficial if you put the work in. Yeah. So where did you go from there? You got to LA, were you still a corporate guy? I did both. So I was still a corporate guy. I worked for Marriott for almost 20 years, you know, in some pretty high positions like a general manager of a hotel, director of marketing at numerous hotels, regional director of sales and marketing for a whole region. Um, and all along, I was trying to kind of grow my DJ business, learn slowly but surely. Got to a point when it was time to make a switch. I was pretty much uh, done with the corporate life, just ended up being more meetings and spreadsheets than being with people. I love to be with people. So I said, let me take a risk and uh, some massive pay cut and let's go for it because you really only live once. I know it's very cliche. And I decided in 2012 to start to pursue DJing full time. I quickly realized that even though as you're pursuing it, you do need multiple streams of income just to pay the bills. And that's kind of been my strategy and plan moving forward. Just keep growing in, in the business and continue to expand across the world. Nice. So is that what led you to do the book? Yeah, so the book, that's an interesting topic is that I had a business coach and she mentioned many things that you could do to become a thought leader. One of them is uh, like podcasting, which you're doing, which I have a podcast too. And then if you can write a book, 
that will really allow you to be a thought leader, help you kind of get a little bit more revenue from book sales, but also open you up to public speaking, appearing at conferences, and this gives you more uh, legitimacy. There's not too many DJs that have written a book, and I just wanted to show people that DJing is a real career. We are very, very talented people that have to quadruple task in one moment. And the book just allowed me to open up more um, opportunities for my business. So talk about that, the ability to quadruple task. G yes. Give it in a DJ setting. Right, right. That, that's, uh, that's a great question. So when you're DJing, you have to first just do the, not the simple, the very complex task of mixing records back and forth within about a minute and a half, two minutes. You're playing, we like to say you're playing chess, not checkers, because you're trying to figure out how you're going to get to a, a song five songs from now while still bridging the gaps with other different songs. You're also, you have to be very, very emotionally, have a high emotional IQ because you're really playing on the moods of the people that are in the club, the people that are on the dance floor jamming, but you also want to draw the people that are in the corners of the club or the party and get them on the dance floor too. That's the, the third thing you do. Second, you have to be, or third thing you have to do is like, you have to be like a tech expert. You have to make sure your equipment is always working. The speakers are working. The microphone is working. The lights are in tune. Like you have to do that Third, fourth, you also have to make sure your client, whether it be the bar owner, the club owner, the promoter, your corporate client is happy. Make sure you're playing the right music. You're making all your cues, making the announcements, doing all of that. And that's kind of the fourth aspect. And then if you add in Twitch, Twitch is you really have to be like a second tech expert because you have to make sure your camera's going. You have to manage the chat. You have to speak on the microphone. You have to call people out. This is all while you're still DJing. Think about what song you're going to play next. You can think what things you're going to do. Um, it's just really complex. And finally, which is not, you're not really doing it at the same time, but you do have to do a lot of marketing and promoting as well. So it's a lot going on. So that's kind of a quick example in the DJ eyes in terms of that. So let's go back to the Twitch thing for just a minute. For those of you that don't know, Twitch is, I'll say, a platform largely used by gamers, right? Is that fair? Correct. Yeah, correct. And they, they live stream their games, do commentary on it, and they draw in, essentially, ultimately, the goal is a subscriber-based audience that pays premiums to watch Twitch without commercials. That's a very good, um, yeah, very good. I think that um, they have seen their music category explode specifically since like March of 2020, uh, whether it be DJs, musicians, singers, and it's just a place for you to live stream, perform, as you say, get subscription-based income. You can get uh, virtual currency, which is like virtual tipping, which turns into real money. You can also have sponsors. You can also grow your audience, increase your email base, all that. And it just gives you a home to live stream, network, meet people. And it's just like another, people call it a social media platform, but I, it's a little different, but it's just another uh, place for you to build your legacy. Interesting. So in, in your approach, were you doing live streams to promote the club you were in, to promote yourself, both at the same time? Initially, my initial goals on Twitch were to live stream my podcast interviews because I could no longer do them in person. So I wanted to live stream my podcast interviews. Then I also added on DJing one night. From there, it grew to DJing twice a week, you know, and kind of getting into the affiliate status. And then I really decided to really kind of step up my activity on Twitch as we went further into lockdown and I would DJ four or five days a week there. I actually partnered with a DJ friend of mine and we 
we DJed 54 days in a row on, on Twitch. So live stream for 54 days. That was a lot. That was a lot. That's a and, lot. <laughs> and then um, it just continues to evolve. Now I create different content on Twitch, whereas I have an interview show where I interview other streamers to learn from them. We call it Twitch University. I have a dating show. So it's like a dating game for singles. We just had a premiere episode of uh, the Newlywed Game for Couples yesterday. So my goal is to create some content that can live on Twitch, but also live outside of Twitch. So it's like I'm growing and developing my brand. So now, because of the activity on Twitch, not only have I shown my DJ skills, but now I can host a show. I can host a game show. And I can do all these elements within the Imani experience, as well as DJing. And it just really helps to strengthen my brand. It helps me learn how to be a live uh, streaming producer because you have to, a lot of elements that are going on when you're live streaming and bringing guests in, bringing guests out. So it's really helped me also with my um, Adobe Premiere Pro skills, video editing. I mean, mm -hmm. I knew nothing a year ago about that. And now I at least know how to cut, splice, add music, fade, do things. I'm not an expert, but I can at least get along and do things well. So... In addition to growing my brand and creating content, I'm learning a lot at the same time, which is very valuable. So you had, I bet you brought a few extra skills to the table with the DJ background, right? Yeah. Well, music right. is really good and doing that. So definitely that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and and understand the timing and the transitions. Yeah. You, you, you had a little jump up my, is my guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So one of the things you talk about in your cut sheet is how to say no, right? So that's something you experienced as a DJ. Frankly, it's something I think business people sometimes struggle with on customer requests. Can you share a little more about that? Yeah, I think learning how to say no is a skill. And being able to say no is very difficult because as you're growing a business, you want to take everything. Any kind of business that comes, you really, it's revenue and you need revenue to sustain yourself. But as you mature into growing your business, you realize that not all revenue is good revenue. And it takes a little bit of courage and just a lot of foresight to feel like, okay, I've heard this inquiry. I'm going to try to stick to my rates. That's one of the hardest things for all entrepreneurs and small businesses, stick to my rates. And if you can't meet them, I'm going to have to take a pass. And, you know, you have to believe that something else will kind of come along in its place. It might not be the exact dates with the exact uh, time periods, but something else better that's within what you want to do and within, within your what your rates are will come along. And... That's a very, very difficult skill to first develop and then to maintain, but it's crucial. And I've learned and I continue to learn even now when I get inquiries and they're a little bit below what I want to charge. You have to kind of stay strong and be like, thanks, but that's not, might, might be a good fit for me. I can refer you to someone else or I can hire out uh, someone too. That's interesting. So A, you, you offer to make the referral, but B, you offer to fill the gap with somebody else. And frankly, you still make a cut on it, I'm sure. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And all of that's building your own network. It is. It is just, uh, I have a nice network of, of DJs that work with me that I'll hire out. And that helps me to say no and offer some options. And if they, um, if they, it's not good for them, then, you know, I will definitely, you know, try to find someone else that maybe is even a better fit if it's not one of my DJs, for sure. Cool. So I got, I got to ask, how do you do an online dating show in the age of swipe? right swipe left i okay so the online dating show like you get people to apply you try to find people who want to be the bachelor bachelorette then you know that 
you try to meet at least their age preferences. Then you bring them onto the stream and you'll have like the bachelor, bachelorette will be, you can see them, but the three contestants, you cannot, um, you cannot see them. So then you'll kind of like have them talking back and forth. The bachelor, bachelorette will then make their selections after a bunch of questions, audience interaction, engage with the audience, there's a poll. And then you'll do that. They make their selection. You reveal who they did not pick. Then afterwards, you, you see who they did pick and you sponsor a virtual date for them. They will then come back to the show. And that's kind of how the dating show works. It's fascinating. And we've had probably about two or three really quality um, matches so far. So it's exciting. Nice. Yeah, yeah, very nice. exciting. We do that. We just had the newlywed show, simple, similar concept, but couples are together answering questions, competing against each other. It's just fun, something different, it's a good diversity in the content. You know, I'm imagining the newlywed show, and I'll just, you know, the guy doesn't know the answers. It's going to go sideways fast. It did. That <laughs> did happen yesterday. There were a few times where like, how could you say that? Or what did you mean? It was funny. It was funny. It was good, though. Very genuine. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> and, that, and that's what makes it watchable, right? Is because it's real in that sense, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what's the goal? You're, you're building all these streams. You're building all these different w means of income. What's Where are you trying to go? I think the goal is to have a, some small goals, like there's a status on Twitch, you could become a Twitch partner. That's a goal. I think I want to create content where it can live and have an audience no matter where I'm streaming, whether it be pre-recorded onto YouTube. Live, of course, live stream will always be a concept. So some standard landmark program on a Monday, Wednesday, another day that is just people know. It's like must-see live streaming TV. And... And then from there, use that to develop my business, get additional clients. Maybe that will open up more hosting or moderating options for me at major conferences or conventions. All along, continue to grow the DJ career. Um, and then, you know, I'm still a professor. So just teaching and professing, try to become full-time because those two professions work very well um, in conjunction with each other. And, and we hadn't yet talked about you being a professor. So can you share a bit about what you teach and why? I teach in the School of Business at California State University Fullerton. I teach entertainment money management. It's how venues earn money, hotels, casinos, amusement parks. It's how the music industry earns money, gaming, and then streaming services like Hulu, Netflix, and movies. Um, and so that's what I teach. Uh, I love it. I've been teaching there now for almost three years. Um, the students give me energy and then the, you know, they learn from me. They enjoy it very much. And it's just been, it's been a game changer because I grew up in a family of teachers. I tried for so very long to not, I said, I'm not going to go the same education route in some way, somehow, Tim, I got this opportunity. <laughs> it came up, it made sense. And I just, I love it and it's, it just fits really well with my life. And in fact, it's been my primary income during the pandemic. So it's been a lifesaver literally and figuratively. Um, and I say figuratively because the energy that I get from students, I'm here alone kind of shut in by myself for the most part. And now it's, it's changing a little bit now, but the energy I get from the students really helps kind of make my day go by quicker and just really continues to inspire me. So it's, it's um, I love it. And I'm so happy that I had the opportunity to teach. Yeah, and, and teaching at the university level is a different game than teaching in K through 12, right? Yes, it is. It's very, very different. Uh, you have people from all different backgrounds, ages, um, different points in their life. So it's it's been a very high learning curve, but I'm with it. I love it. 
So if I can go a little bit into the, the course, you described traditional hospitality all the way through modern entertainment is kind of what I heard. Is that fair? With streaming and Hulu and Netflix all the way yeah. through how hotels and venues, right? That's an, that's an amazing viewpoint because you think, and I'm just thinking back to when I was in business school, you got, I got little windows and, and you had to piece them all together. You're essentially giving them a drink from a fire hose in a major industry. Yeah, yeah, we do that. Uh, when you're combining guest speakers, it just is really relevant. Um, the classes are very engaging right now. It's funny, we just finished talking about gaming. So I walked them through actually some Twitch streams live in class. I was on some people's Twitch streams. I was making comments. People who were broadcasting were shouting me out. They got to see how real it was. And then because we talk about earnings, um, I walked them through my earnings, like how I started on Twitch in like March, April, May, making $4 a month, $10 a month up, and then it kept kept growing and they could see it. So it thinks it, it's really real. I try to have the class express things and show them things that are really real in the industry, whether it be DJing, whether it be hotels, uh, Twitch, music, which we're on right now, and then go into the movies and film. So yeah. So the music industry is one I grew up playing in bar bands, right, and played up and down the East Coast. So a little, little bit different today than it was then. Then you dreamt of getting a record contract with a major label. You hoped somebody would find you or an A&R guy would get you, right? And, and I'm old enough you wanted to be on MTV back then. They actually played music. Yes. Um, yes. Right? Now you can produce and release music on your own. It comes down, in my view, is to building the audience and the, um, you know, really the following behind that. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you, I'm sure you're familiar with the Kevin Kelly argument or article. I don't know if it's 1,000 true fans. I think it's 1,000 true fans. Like that's kind of the concept where if you can get 1,000 people that are supremely loyal to you and will buy anything you put out, whether it be a, um, an album, whether it be a piece of merchandise nowadays, whether it's an NFT, and if they're really, really loyal to you, you can make a very, very comfortable living. Like you don't have to get signed by a label anymore. Now, if you do get signed by a label, that's going to give you incredible amount of marketing and a marketing push and promotional push. But also you have to realize that you will have some aspects of the advance and revenue you must pay back. So it's a really complex industry now. And my goal, um, because I'm in school to get my master's in music business, is I just really want to teach any independent music that's on the scene, whether it be 15, 35, 55, the options you have to earn money so that you don't fall into the traps of the past where people have this amazing music and it's held hostage by record labels or they don't have the courage to put it out. And so that's why the music industry is so fascinating for me right now. And so I was a huge Prince guy, right? There's an example of a guy who understood how the business worked and, and basically bucked the system well before there was an online business. Oh, yeah. My, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and you could witness his fight with Warner. I think it was Warner, the record label. Yeah, it was. When he, yeah. when, when he changed his name, he fought for his masters. Now he's got like a whole vault few of un, unreleased music that, um, you know, could be hits right now. So his he was ahead of his time. He was an advocate for the artist. And, you know, it's just a shame he's not no longer with us, but that's very, very good story to research. And I can't wait to learn more about his decisions and what he was thinking as more comes out. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And you talk about it. I, I think in business, you have people lose their catalogs, just like you do in musicians. They don't realize the value they're creating for a company, you know, 
an artist knows they're creating something and they want, you know, in my view, anyhow, they, they want that signing bonus. They want that marketing support. But what they don't realize, and I'll compare it to modern day venture capital, is if you bootstrap it and do it on your own and build that a little bit of that audience and a little bit of the revenue stream in the business world, you can hold on to more of what you created instead of just giving it away because it's not a lottery ticket anymore. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great example. Bootstrap. I might have to borrow that because it's exactly right. If you're an artist and you choose to bootstrap your uh, music career, it will take you longer. Like it takes, you know, entrepreneurs longer if they bootstrap it, but you will own almost all of your assets along the way. And that could be a good decision for you compared to if you want venture capital, you could rise quicker, but you're going to give up a lot of the ownership. And that's that's a really, really slippery slope nowadays. Yeah, it, it's literally, it's a conversation I have, I bet you legitimately three times a week with different clients that yeah. you can go do your series A and you put that up and everybody will applaud, but you just gave up control and it's not your baby anymore, yeah. right? Yeah. Gonna, if you, you know, the music analogy, they're going to tell you, you need to write hits, not what you want. <laughs> yeah, and that's, and that's the crux of the issue many, many times with musicians. Yeah, it is. So... <laughs> What's the craziest thing you've had happen at a corporate event? Ooh, corporate event. Craziest thing I've had happen at a corporate event. Um, I would say there was a young lady who got into a very, very vocal, loud altercation with her boss at the middle of a corporate event. And everyone, I kept the music going to try to help her out, but everyone would stop and was staring and she ended up quitting and walking out at the same instance um that was crazy at a corporate event for sure uh i'll never forget that (laughs) do you ever have the executive that wants to come up and help i saw that once at a cheap trick concert (laughs) yes yes so generally speaking you can try to you can get their admin or other people of their team to kind of distract them keep them away um and do all that so that um that, that happens, but generally speaking, we, we do a good job of keeping them away and just kind of distracting them, and it usually works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, do you just cue them in for their announcement at certain breaks? <laughs> that just that, and then maybe call up someone else and say, oh, they're, they want you in the back of the room, or just kind of just different things you could do to say, oh, you're the one over there, or people are looking there, come back in a little bit, and then they'll forget about it most of the time. Nine out of <laughs> yeah. 10 times, they'll forget about it. <laughs> So when you started, was it vinyl or was it CD? Yeah, I started learning how to DJ and I learned on vinyl and it was a combination of vinyl and then like computer MP3, but I know vinyl, I could do a vinyl sets. I have vinyl upstairs. So um, that's what I learned and I still appreciate the art and will continue to practice on vinyl. I think it's very important to learn on vinyl just so you understand certain things about uh, not using the computer screen to look at the um, waveforms. It's really important to use your ears to mix so you can hear the music coming in and out, know what parts of the song are, and not really use the sync button that's on some devices. You can always use the sync button later, but if you can learn the basics and the fundamentals now, it will help you become a stronger DJ in the future, especially if your computer crashes. You could just put on a vinyl record and keep going back and forth from vinyl while your computer reloads. So you, you just need to know that to have a strong foundation. What advice would you give yourself if you're starting over again? Don't wait as long to start. Um, you know, just start early. It's a legitimate career. Uh, just manage your network. Uh, continue to invest in yourself along the way. Don't be scared. Like I know there was times in my career where I would 
new job, pay cut, but there's an opportunity to invest and go to class and I might have delayed it a little bit. But no, just invest in yourself. Don't wait to start. Continue to network. Um, and don't be afraid. Like, you know, fear kind of stops us or pauses us for so, so, so long. Just don't be afraid. Go for it. it. It won't be easy, but in the end, it'll be so worth it. That's awesome. I'm going to ask you one more question here. You, you mentioned networking, right? In my view, from my limited knowledge on Twitch, part of how people are building their audiences there is they're, they're finding people they network with and leveraging each other's audiences. How do you do that as a DJ? Uh, the same way on Twitch, you network with other DJs. I think there's enough out here in terms of viewers and followers for all of us. So just partner with other DJs. Maybe it's called on like when I finish my set, you would raid to another DJ, which means you take your audience to their stream and, and greet them and do that. So it's raiding. So you can raid other DJs. Um, you don't have to set up these specific raid trains, as we call them, whether they happen on the same day of the same week each week but definitely do that also spend time in other people's streams commenting quality time like 15 30 minutes don't just pop in and stop um and then you know on twitch there are other categories you don't have to stay in the dj section of the music there's art there's technology there's talk shows just just it's a whole new world so just kind of learn watch interact engage meet people there and grow people back have a very very supportive stream so that when you're very welcoming with your moderators moderators are people on your channel that help to control uh like the the volume of the chat they also keep out any like hecklers spam in that instance and they greet people so do that and then just create some fun content have fun with it have different shows or streams that you enjoy and I think that'll be a good way to help you grow your network and try to promote what you're doing on Twitch or live streaming to other platforms that you might have a good presence on. Like I will post on LinkedIn about some of my Twitch streams. I might not get a lot of likes or comments, but people do see it and they do comment about it later and just continue to do that and think outside the box. You know what? And I think that LinkedIn crossover is amazing because like when I started putting the podcast up there, I didn't think anybody would care. And I get more calls off of that than stuff I intentionally market, right? That's where I'm drawing my engagement from, just selfishly and personally. Yeah, and I think they might not comment or like it, but they see it. They That's see the it. Key. and Yeah, and ironically, I get more private messages than I do comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Perfect. Yeah. So what didn't I ask you that I should have? You know, I just always encourage people. We talked about the book. The book's available on Amazon, so you can pick it up. DJs Mean Business. I, I love it. Um, I'm writing a second book now on why Black R&B groups are no longer in the top uh, Billboard Top 20 since like 2004. And follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv backslash my experience. I usually stream Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and some Saturdays. Um, and just find me on social media and um, reach out that's really it. You know, that's kind of simple, the book, the online. And I'm just really happy that you had me here today. Uh, happy to have you. And for everybody listening and watching the, all of Amani's links for socials and his website and to Amazon and whatnot are in the show notes. So don't wreck your car or fall off the <laughs> treadmill. Just when, when you're done, click it and it'll be a live link there. So Amani, yeah. thank you so much for being here and sharing. Awesome. Thank you for having me and uh, look forward to meeting you in person one day. Looking forward to it. Yes. <laughs>